Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, <laughs> I'm about to 
I don't know, Devon. I mean, people playing with broken bones in their back. I'm I'm just not sure what uh, Root Canal with uh, with drugs is really doing in 2014. Right. I, I right. know. I'm trying. I'm trying to step it up, but you know, I, you know, I don't have to. You know, he has to use his feet. I got to use my mouth. So, you know, <laughs> I, I can't slur nothing. I gotta, you know, I mess around. If I say something crazy, it's the drugs. It's the drugs. Right. So that's not like Michael Irvin. In case I start sounding like Michael Irvin. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out what my guy Anderson had to get to talk to. He broke out on me. My boy Anderson broke out on me. We, we, we don't have it on the rundown, but breaking news, Gary Yeah, Anderson we got to talk. Yeah, yeah, we might have yeah, to spend a little time on that when we hit college football. That's a, that's now, a shocker, man. Yeah, I, I'll hit you all with that. And there's some insight in it from, you know, uh, I was talking to Phil T., you know, our resident, you know, scholar. I'm trying to get back in the game and, you know, I love working with him. I, I was going to send him uh, some feedback on a paper. He sent me a text letting me know he needed uh, appropriately like 14 days, three weeks, and 17 hours <laughs> to get it done. But he gave me some great feedback. Um, and so there's some things I was trying to discuss with him as part of this paper that I think has some insight into why Gary Anderson went to uh, Oregon State. Okay, well, hold on to that. Hold on to that. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. I want to bring PhD into the fold. PhD, my man, 100 grand. How you living, man? Present. Excellent. <laughs> you see, he's that dude in the class that keeps it real, real tight, oh real proper. You know, he's got his desk set up. You know what I mean? He's got like his notebook, pencil, like lined up nice and even with the notebook, book, right next yes. to the notebook. He's ready. He's ready. He's no. He's all business. I like that. He's all business tonight. So, yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah. You got this grand, this grand connection to make. This theoretical mm-hmm. gem to drop on us. Before you do that, let me just lay it out for the listeners who may not be rooted in the Midwest. This is a show. We all went to college here in Wisconsin, in the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, Devon and Devon works here. I live in Madison. Uh, PhD spent his college years here, so we all have a connection to the University of Wisconsin and, and, and the uh, and the athletics programs. You know, PhD kind of got to feel what what Badger Nation is all about. I grew up in Badger Nation. You know, D. Wills is now uh, a staff member at the UW, so we all have kind of a uh, a connection, a little bit of an experience with the passion that the Badger Nation, the Grateful Red, has for their sports and their athletics here. And we just lost our football coach to Oregon freaking State. <laughs> not to LSU, not to an SEC school, not to USC, not to Notre Dame, not to the U, not to some powerhouse, to Oregon State. <laughs> explain, if you will. Explain. Help me understand. Help me wrap my mind around it. Well, so there's, there's, there's a, a – UW, and you know this, um, uh, in a weird position um, as a school, because most outsiders, you know, when they look at UW and they hear how much the students party and they hear all this stuff, they kind of lump them in with Minnesota, kind of Illinois. And the, the way in which they brand Madison is different when you, when you hear Van Pelp and you hear all those folks talking, they brand it in a different way. But those who really know the university and know higher education know that Madison is closer to Berkeley <laughs> from an educational standpoint. Michigan is one of the elite publics, and so one of the one. So there's this weird dynamic that that happens at Madison with this frenzy around sports. But these kids who who are smart 
and get things done, which makes it somewhat difficult for a football coach. And so um, I think he came in from the West Coast, and I think one of the challenges he had was adjusting to a place like UW. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I do, I spend a lot of time kind of figuring out, looking at a lot of the academic support, a lot of the units. And you know, when you talk to people around who know support, uh, I learned some things about Oregon State last year, even though I didn't know about the type of institution it is and in the way it works athletically. And I thought about that conversation and then thought about this decision. Uh, one of the things it does for him, it places him in a Power Five conference with a program that has um, an ability to um, uh, have a home field advantage. No one's had bigger upsets in the last five, ten years than Oregon State. And what people have to remember about a person like Gary Anderson, you know, even when he's at Utah State, um, his teams competed he- uh, 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 well against SEC teams. So he's he's found a way. Even at Wisconsin, he's had some tough losses, uh, but he coached well. Um but it, 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 it positions him in a, uh, 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 in a, in a big five conference um, in a, that does not create the kind of challenges that he has around academics. And, that, you know, and, and usually you hear Notre Dame in that conversation, and usually you hear um, um, schools like Stanford in that conversation, but that, that always has not been an issue with Wisconsin. Usually it's like with Wisconsin, when people talk about it, it's because – you know, you don't have that many five, four, five-star athletes in the state of Wisconsin, right? And how are you doing it? But that context. And so for him, it puts him in a, a, a Power Five conference. It puts him in the space where you recruit with a place around the academics where he can, he can get an athlete similar to what he was doing at Utah State. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and I think the look on his face, I, when I saw the look on his face at a press conference, I was like, wow, something's going to go down. Because they, they took the beat down of, of epic reports. It was painful to watch. It was hard for me because you know so many kids. But um, I, he looked, I could see the look. Even when he shook Urban Meyer's hand, the look on his face. I've seen him in losing situations. The look on his face was, I, I had a feeling that something was going down. Yeah. So you kind of saw this, you know, you kind of saw some, 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 some inklings of what maybe – he was thinking, even in that uh, that bad bad blowout loss to the Ohio State University. Yeah, and yeah, man, I was I was baffled, man. I was I was caught off completely caught off guard myself. Um, what, what, what you know, I, know I know he's a West Coast guy. He's a West Coast guy. I mean, he 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 can at Oregon State. He can leverage his connections with JUCOs. He can leverage his connection. He has really good recruiting lines um, in the Pacific Rim. He's got a number of kids. Um, uh, uh, from uh, uh, from that area, he's done well in California, so it allows him to get into a space where he is very strong recruiting. He's a good recruiter. He's good with people. He's straightforward. Um, he has all of those elements. Um, you know, his mistake this year was the fact that, and this is a mistake that a lot of coaches do. They always think they got to have their guy. And the problem I think he made this year was not starting Stavi. If he would have just started Stavi from the beginning, is because Stavi wasn't you know, ready at the beginning. Oh, Stavi wasn't ready at the beginning. He had, he had that arm issue. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was like Ricky Vaughn. And, he was like Ricky Vaughn in Major League. He yeah, was, but that's he, still he, better he, than he was a wild <laughs> thing. He was wild thing, man. He, he had some yeah, mental yeah, blocks. 
Yeah, but but you, that's still better than McAvoy, who is uh, was more like Tebow. Not, if you not at him, the beginning of the season, though. I, I got to call you on that one. Not in, at the beginning of the season. No, no, no. In the, in the LSU game, he didn't. He could not no. complete a pass. No. no, he couldn't. He could not complete a pass. Come on now, let's be real with it. No, Matt, McAvoy was bad. No, McAvoy was bad. Yeah. I think they went to McAvoy because they had to, because Stave was to not be- able to complete passes. He wasn't he physically able to throw the ball. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't that Stave was better. Stave at that time was not able to throw a football. Stave throwing on half an arm is better than McAvoy. If you want to go with McAvoy, then that means you got to run the game plan like like Tebow. That means you run. Well, at least McAvoy, that's, and that's what I'm saying. At least McAvoy can run. Because if you can stop him back there, once they figure out he they can't throw, he's they, a they had, they had him throwing from the pocket, McAvoy. If you look at the LSU game, he was dropping back and throwing from the pocket. They weren't running him. Right, because they, they was running a playbook that was designed for who? The, the, the they Stave they wasn't ready. No, it wasn't they that they said Stave because they thought uh, old McAvoy was better. Stave was hurt. They were looking at McAvoy. Then you got to run. Then you got to. You got a new quarterback. Look at what Urban Meyer. This is why Urban Meyer is great. He ain't running the same thing, is he? Is he running the same offense? So if you got a new quarterback that can't do that, then you got to switch it, right? You got. You got. You got to. You got to run a power game. You got to do something different, right? You know. You talking about a coach that's playing on his third. We'll get to it. I'm not gonna get too far down there. But you talking about a coach on his third one, and he's played diff, three different times. You have to play to his strengths. They were up on LSU big and let it slip. Like, I think people forget that. They were killing LSU. And LSU just made its way back. And so, you know, I think part of the challenge is being able to, in, in this case, and I, and I won't get too far, is being able to coach, being able to have depth, right? You know, one thing he's, he, he hasn't been able to get the depth he wanted. So I, I think there's a lot of pieces to it. You know, I think Brett left. Brett didn't leave for these reasons. Brett, Brett was able to build something in this context. Brett wanted to have the support around, I, I think, around being able to have the coaches and be ready to retain his kind of organizational unit. But I, I think that, it, you know, this was a surprise because I thought that he would go for another year. I mean, he was making the right trajectory. I thought a win against Auburn would set him up for the next year in the offseason. Um, but, you know, I think those other issues um, have come to the top for him. And I, and I think, you know, he's a West Coast guy now. That's yeah. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, but I think you you got to acknowledge that Stave was was not with it. But I but when he but when that, he was ready, when he was ready, he didn't come back to him. Like he didn't. Come, I think he, they did. I think they, they got him in there as was, soon as they could. My sense was from folks, it was a quarterback competition. and They wanted to go with McAvoy. Mm, from what I've heard, Stave was not able to throw the football the way a D1 quarterback should be able to throw the football. Not because he wasn't good, because he physically wasn't able to because of the injury. And once the injury got settled and and he was back to throwing the ball, they got him out there. And they used McAvoy as a, as a, as a curveball. They got him out there after they lost that Northwestern game. Yeah, because it, it was like, okay, we we got to do something. Yeah. So, but I, I think the intent was, you know, there was a there, there was an interest to have McAvoy be the guy. And you can yeah. hear talking about this and, young and, man. I got, I got, I got and initially though, he initially though, there is that pressure as a recruiter, right? Anderson is a good recruiter, right? Yeah. So there is that 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 pressure of well, you recruited so and so and you never played him, so why should I think that you know what I mean you're gonna bring me in and I'm gonna 
and I'm going to be playing a role that you envision me playing, you brought in McAvoy, and he never played quarterback. You know, so there is that pressure for a college coach, too. When you recruit a kid, you know, and then you don't play him, you, you also burn bridges with other guys who you haven't gotten yet. And so it's yeah. always that balance of, of coaching where, you know, you got to be most dedicated to the guys you have, you know, coming back. You have to be then dedicated to the guys who are coming in and then the guys who are leaving. So, I mean, that's always that balance that a coach has to strike as far as where their loyalties ultimately are going to lie. Um, the, the, the I don't know, man. I'm still surprised. I'm still yeah, surprised. I, 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 I'm, I'm surprised. But the key to Wisconsin is pretty simple. It's quarterback. All the other positions they have, they're building. I, I love the fact, and whoever the next coach comes in, I, I think Anderson had it right. 3-4 defense. There's a way in which you can leverage your talent in a lot of different ways in the 3-4. It's also something that you don't see all the time. Uh, uh, you know, it's, you don't see it as often. You see it more often now than you used to. Uh, but it, I think it plays well for a program like Wisconsin who can have some solid D linemen, but they're more likely to have more of their strengths in the linebacking core in the, in, the, uh, in the safeties. And it allows for them, they always have great safeties to walk that safety down. So, and they're always smart. So that part is good. The problem for Wisconsin is – they have not in on the on the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, which which proved to any quarterback who wanted to play that Wisconsin would throw the ball if you could throw it. Yeah, they like tried. They, got, they tried with O'Brien, but it just didn't work. Like they tried to replicate yeah, that with no, Danny O'Brien, and it just did not work. No, 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 no. That was the wrong move. That, yeah, I'm no, I'm saying they went with the same yeah, game yeah. plan. They just picked no, the wrong not, dude. But that's not the game plan you should be doing. That should allow for you then to be better off with high school players um, who who are good quarterbacks. You know, there, there are very few quarterbacks who are, you know, um, your t- more traditional drop-back quarterbacks who can go play other places in the country. There's very few places for those quarterbacks to play. Wisconsin should be a spot like that. One, you have a running game that's going to allow you to throw. You're going to have linemen bigger than the Green Bay Packers linemen. You're going to have tight ends who can catch. You're going to have enough tools around you. you. you got a quarterback like Russell Wilson who you advertise, you see every Sunday saying, oh, this could be the destiny for you. you got even Tolzien. So you you got folks who have gone on uh, to the league. And so you should be able to, you should be able to coach, get a player out of high school, uh, whether it's a kid in the Midwest, uh, who you can do. And so part of the, the thing is getting somebody who can coach up a quarterback or who, who, or who, who has the ability – you might not get a five-star quarterback, but Wisconsin should be able to get that that high three and that high, or that a high four-star quarterback. Yeah. So here's the question, though: Where do they go next? Right? You know, Barry Alvarez uh, says they're going to open yeah. up a national search. You know, Chris is out there, right? At Pitt, yeah, I think Pitt is kind of falling off a little bit. I think, yeah. in my opinion, it's probably his job to to uh, to get. You know what I mean? If he wants it, I think it's his. Um, I think the question is, is he ready to leave Pitt? Yeah, Bevel uh, could be one. Um, yeah. Uh, our, guy, our guy who was at NIU, I can't get my name, uh, down at um, – I don't think they'll get uh, Bevel, though. I think Bevel's looking at that NFL money. He's a, he, Bevel is in line to get an NFL job. I yeah, think this but is the offseason he can get one. Yeah, but, you know, also I, I think that, you know, uh, sometimes when, uh, you know, when the Don call you home, you come home. It, you know, it, it is Barry. <laughs> When the Don make that call, you know, anybody who's been around Coach Alvarez, the, one of the most engaging figures you're ever going to be around, when the Don calls you home, it's, it's time to talk to the mama and say, we've got to pack bags up. 
got to go. What happened? Don, <laughs> Don called. Don called? Yeah, Don called. Uh, they so play. Bevel, Chris, who else you think is, is, is in contention for this job? Those are two names that obviously are going to pop up right off the bat. The, the other thing is you got to look at some top. You know, I think uh, uh, was, was it Niedermeyer, the, 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 the offensive coordinator, even though Michigan had a bad year, you know, he's got a pedigree of being in Alabama, um, runs that physical game. Um, uh, was it Niedermeyer or whatever? I think his name right, uh, the office coordinator at Michigan. You know, he could be one, you know, because so, Barry hasn't been afraid. You know, he hasn't built – so you raise an interesting um, question. You know, Wisconsin has produced enough – coaches who have come through to do what I just talked about. So, you know, the scenario, you know, you got you got a great atmosphere, you got a great student body, you got great energy, but you also have um, an academic rigorous institution. So do you, like Michigan's thing, do you get a Michigan man? Are we at the point now where Wisconsin is they're looking for the Wisconsin man? You know, that's the question. Like, are we at the point he kind of went outside of this kind of Wisconsin mm-hmm. family? You know, is he going to stick with, is he going to start doing the Wisconsin thing with somebody who understands the culture of the place and embraces it. Like, you yeah, know, I think that's where schools get in trouble. I think, I think that, that's if where Barry, schools get in trouble. Has, I think you always Barry have to be forward thinking. Yeah. I think you always have to be forward thinking. I think what Barry should do and what he probably – I know this will be a piece of it. I don't know if this will be all of it, but this will be a piece of it, is that he's going to look at how can he find a guy because he has a style in mind. You know what I mean? Yes. A certain, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the Rooney's with the Steelers. They have a certain way – that they envision their franchise playing football. And they're going to get yeah. coaches that are going to, at their core, adhere to that style, but then advance it mm-hmm. and be able to overlay, uh, update that style and put it in the context of a new era, a different era. You know, from Chuck Noll to Bill Cowher to mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin, there have been some very consistent things about Pittsburgh football. And I think mm-hmm. that is where – that's how Barry, Barry envisions Wisconsin football. They're going to run the ball. We're going to have great offensive linemen. We're going to get our leg, our speed, our legs, as he says. We're going to get our legs from the south, from Texas, mm-hmm. from Florida. But the heart of yes, the sir. team, the meat of the team, is going to come from the Midwest, come from in-state, right. Ohio. You know, we're going to get some big boys up front. You know, and that's always at the heart of it. And he's going to look for a coach that can continue to, to – maintain that tradition because he knows that that ultimately is what's going to work, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what is going to work for this environment. So mm-hmm. it, it, it'll be an interesting balance. Like how do I find the guy who can do that, but I'm not being too dogmatic about it mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm so locked in on this concept of a Wisconsin guy, a Wisconsin guy. Cause it seems mm-hmm. like folks just get in trouble when they get locked into that kind of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan mm-hmm. with Brady Hoke, it just doesn't work out sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I think I mean you hit one on I mean on a, on a really good uh, point about, and I think that's why Anderson I was really excited about Anderson because I, I think he uh, had a shared vision uh, uh, with Alvarez around those things you talked about, but he was able to have some innovation within it, you know. So you know the innovation he had on defense when he went to that I said oh yeah he's on his game now and when he can start loading up that you know he he's gonna get some players and so right I really. I really thought that he all, he knew how to work within the framework of that and then twist it into, you know, his own kind of wrinkle, like, so make it his. Um, right. And so it kept some of those basic elements on the offensive side, made those true, and, and then made it his. And that's why I thought, like, one more season, particularly 
with McAvoy because you know McAvoy was coach was recruited by the old ball coach down in South Carolina. So this is a kid, mm-hmm. kid who came out of high school who everybody thought had a little bit of talent was raw. You know, so a season of just playing quarterback, off season of preparing, and if you you ran an offense that was kind of you know allowed him to use his legs a little bit more. You know, and you know with Clemens and some of the other, you know, Clements and some of the other things, you know, they're going to load up on the running backs. You know, I thought that he would then take it to the to the next level. You got to find someone that what Anderson was giving you, um, but uh, is going to be patient and understanding uh, how to get those players uh, to Wisconsin. And uh, I think you know Alvarez is smart. He's probably like you said, he's always he always has a short list, so he's probably already working that list. Um, and, you know, like he did last time, um, the one thing I would say is for him not to coach. You know, so if there's – you know, I think it's it, – it was cool that he coached the Rose Bowl, but I think this time line, you know, it's up to coach to do that. You know, I'm not going to tell the Don what to do. But but I would say that I would love to see um, one of these remaining assistants do it. Because even if this is somebody who stays on, you get a chance to look at somebody – and how they manage something that might give you some insight into someone you might want in the future, even if you're not ready to give them the, the look now. Or you might advocate for them staying on. And I, I think that's a lost opportunity if you if you don't allow for one of these coaches on the staff to actually manage this. You know, give them a chance to see what they got. Because um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're a place like Wisconsin, you got to still build that database of coaches. And so giving somebody an experience, even if they end up going and leaving with Anderson afterwards, you at least got somebody that um, you got you could put back in your Rolodex in case you need to call on them later on. Right, right. And it, I, I think the thing that I'd like to see them do is get a guy who's going to stay true to what Wisconsin football is about. But you also want to bring in somebody who sees what you do and can help you take it to that next level, like Anderson did, introducing the 3-4 yeah. defense. I think that's something that Barry likes, right? Yeah. It worked. We can get yes. personnel and we can get kids here yeah. who can make that effective. You know, yeah. adding those little wrinkles to what you already do helps it advance. Yeah. So that's the thing that I think I'd be looking for from Barry is a guy who at his core has that has those values that run the ball, recruit the backs, you know, get get the bigs up front, you know what I mean? But then he's going to find that one area where we can kind of get better. Where we can kind of, we haven't that nobody inside the building has thought of because we're too close, right? Sometimes yeah. when you're in the building, you're too close yeah. to be able to see kind of where you can go next, and you're bringing that outside person who still who still is about what you're about, but has that next little piece of of where can you take this next? How can you tweak what you already do just slightly, or mm-hmm. how can you if you ran it this way, or if you did it this way, you're still accomplishing the same thing, you're still staying true to who you are, but now you've added another dimension that makes yep. it that much more difficult to deal with. You know, it's like, yep. you know, Primo and Guru, you know, yep. they have their formulas, as they said, yes. on, on the moment of truth. We have certain yep. formulas, but we update them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what you got to have. You know, you bring in a Freddie Fox. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. You bring in Jay-Z. That's, you bring in right. these guest appearances. You know, we children of the 90s. You know, the mid-90s, the guest that's appearance right. was the thing. In oh, that was it. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody, it, yes. was, it wasn't even about who album it was. It was about who else was on the album with the person whose album it was. You know what I mean? Yes. But you bring in those other flavors to take the to take the, the whole 
the whole aesthetic of what you're trying to do in a different direction that maybe you didn't even think of, an angle you didn't even see, and that's the beauty of it. And, and my hope is that they, they go into it with that approach and don't get too dogmatic about it and and miss out on somebody who's a great candidate who can take what it is that Wisconsin football is already about and then move it forward and make it make it better. Well, well some and somebody who's in the Anderson yeah, somebody who's in the Anderson mode is Dave Doran. So he's to me, he's the quiet person in the in the race, right? Mm-hmm. Barry stayed away from Dave Doran and stayed away from Chris. And this was what's great about Barry Alvarez in respecting because he's been a coach. He could have gone after Chris when Chris was at Pitt, you know. Right. But I think he 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 understood, you know. There's there there there's there's rules to the game. There's rules to this stuff, right? There's rules to this. You know, because he was a coach. Right. So he knows that. But now it's open game. And so Warren right. is similar to Anderson, but it's just, it, it, this would be, a, a, I think, a dream job for him. You know who you know who may have just missed his opportunity? Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold. Yeah, just, I know he's he just took, He just took the where did he he just took the Buffalo job. Buffalo you know, shout job. out to Coach Leipold, former uh, UW Whitewater coach, as many championships as losses, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> Dude has lost as many games as he has championships. It's just ridiculous, right? In his whole career, not in the season, his whole career, right? Now he's uh he just took the job at Buffalo at the University of Buffalo and I think he'd have been uh, in the running as a candidate, you know. So as, you know he took that job maybe a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, it was he, all good just a week ago. Because he, he's like that. He's he's like that Bo Ryan guy, right? He's that he's exactly that guy who, exactly that's how it was up, with Bo. Up, you know, he up, had that yeah, success up, at Platteville, yes. and then slowly made that transition to the flagship university. Um, yeah. So I think I think Lance may have just missed that boat, man. I don't know if I don't know if he could jump. Maybe maybe it's early enough where he can he can make that move if that move is the move that you know both parties are, are in on. But uh, that's that's that'd be an interesting scenario if that ever played out. Um, but you know, props to him for for doing what he did at Whitewater and then making that transition to a D one. It, it'll be a career we follow here at RSG for sure um, because he's shown us love by being on our show. Um, you know, so I, I, I want to I say I want to say this to you before we move on. I've had a chance to spend a lot of time or time with Coach Anderson. This guy is, uh, you know, I don't know what happened or whatever, and uh, but this, he is he is as good as they get. Uh, I enjoy being around him. Um, Pac-12 better watch out. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out. Now he in his recruitment zone. It's going to be straight fire. Um, and, but he means, I mean, he, he has a, a way of connecting with people. Um, he's not flash and dash. He's just kind of straightforward kind of dude. Um, you know, um, just, I've, I've always felt like he was, uh, straight up with me on things we worked on with. And I, and, I, and so he's someone, and I've been around a lot of coaches, but he's someone that, um, if you watch it out there in the PAC 12, yeah, you better get ready. Now he in his recruitment zone. Uh, it's on. It's on. They're about to make some noise out there, and um, <laughs> it's going to be nothing nice. We got, we got, we got, th- we got things happening in Nebraska. I'm excited. 
I'm excited. It's the best time for sports. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's an interesting time with sports. I want to yeah. transition um, and, and move us into the funky editorial for this week. Um, before we do that, though, let me give you guys a clue. We had to have that conversation because that, that, that was just a bomb that dropped in the state of Wisconsin. That's pretty big news around here. The football coach is a big deal in this state. I mean, almost as big as the governor. Um, probably bigger than the governor, honestly, to be to be frank with you. Um, the, the football coach is probably bigger than the governor around these parts. Um, but we had to have that conversation. Looking at the rundown, giving you a quick rundown of what we have in store for you. We're going to have a funky editorial uh, this week focused on athletes and political statements. Um, a lot of athletes have made statements around different things that are going on in the world today, socially here in the U.S., um, we're just going to give you our thoughts on some things that we've liked, some things we haven't liked, some of the reaction and how we felt about some of the reaction from fans and media. Um, and just kind of have a conversation about that in a way only RSG can. Hit you off with the dog of the week. Got the five on the black hand side. We're going to talk about the college football final four. We're going to uh, hit you off with some, uh, some talk around the NFL stretch run. Um, again, we always like to separate the platinum from the white gold. So we will be getting into that exercise today where we decide who's contenders, who's platinum plus, who's white gold. Well, they're good. You know, ain't nothing wrong with a white gold watch, but it ain't platinum. You know, and then, you know, we got to get into that category of the pyrite, you know, that fool's gold. Um, so we'll talk about that. Then we're going to fa- recap the fantasy football season, fantasy football playoffs, uh, our weekend. I'm still alive in three leagues. Three of my four leagues, I'm still alive. I'm still in it. I'm still in it, baby. I'm still, I still got a shot at the money. So we're gonna all get cashed up on our uh, on our fantasy football team. Talk about how our seasons went, um, and give you guys the information there. And then we'll finish off with the last word from the game changer. Uh, so that's this week's show. We're gonna hit everything. That's our promise to you. We're already a little bit behind, so we're gonna have to go speedball through the rest of this. But we're gonna get to everything. We promise you. Thank you for joining us. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com. RSC Renegade Radio brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions on the rocks in Rockford, Illinois. XL Academics and Fredericton County. All hosts and guests appear via the Fredericton County Gateway. Make sure you hit up the folks at Fredericton County, the official accountant of RSG. All right, funky editorial time, boys. Let me go ahead and cue up the sounds. Sound man on the ones and the twos. Let's get this going. We got so much on the board. <laughs> so much on the board. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I got it. Fellas, the one thing we need to say. Can we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, set. Everybody want to get funky one more time. So this edition of the Funky Editorial. We're going to talk about athletes. Right now, our, our country is in, is in a very interesting place, um, a very volatile place. Um, you have the things going on in Ferguson, Missouri, um, with the uh, shooting of Michael Brown and uh, the um, exoneration or the grand jury decision to not indict um, the cop, Darren Wilson, who shot Michael Brown. You have the situation in Cleveland, Ohio, where a young man, 12 years old, was shot by the police um, for holding a uh, fake weapon. Um, And then you have the situation in New York City where Eric Garner 
was uh, choke was put in a chokehold, an illegal chokehold by a police officer, and also killed, murdered, however you want to phrase it. He's he's no longer with us. Athletes have spoken out in many different ways. Um, from the St. Louis Rams, several players on the St. Louis Rams during the uh, pregame intros um, gave a salute to Mike's and showed support for Mike Brown's family by doing the hands up, don't shoot uh, signal. Um, several NBA teams and individual players on certain teams have come out wearing to warm-ups wearing I Can't Breathe t-shirts in support of um, Eric Gardner's family. Um, what do you guys think of and what's been kind of – what do you guys think of guys, what, what athletes are doing as far as showing support? PhD, I want to pull you in. What do you think about how athletes are showing support and showing awareness around some of these social issues that are, have come to the forefront of our society right now? I love it. I really do love it. It uh, it reminds me of the days when, you know, my dad talks about when he was growing up, um, just just seeing certain athletes um, that were involved in the civil rights movement, and even as he was a young adult, um, you know, witnessing people like Jim Brown and uh, Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just using the platform they had to really speak more about them and what their position was on certain social issues. So when I saw the, not Los Angeles Rams, but the St. Louis Rams group of receivers come out and and do what they did um, during the pregame announcements a couple of weeks ago, it really warmed my heart because, you know they're they're right there in the middle of like they're at the epicenter of some things that are going on in Ferguson that um there's only a handful of events that could be that that could rival the impact that what's been going on in Ferguson um, can rival that over the last twenty or thirty years so um I'm really liking it, and then you're seeing the n b i n b a guys doing it we just saw Georgetown come out and wear shirts regarding the Garner situation in New York City. Um, And, you know, Georgetown, we've talked about Georgetown so many times on this show just in regards to when we were growing up in in the 80s and 90s, the impact that John Thompson had um, and those Georgetown teams had, typically mostly if not all African-American players um, in terms of just the stereotypes that were associated to them. Um, so to see this program that has moved past John Thompson, um, you know, to still have a voice in these matters really, really impressed me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm with you on that. I'm applauding guys for, you know, I think there's a sect of our society um, who wants who wants it both ways with athletes. There was some, dis, there was some, you know, the uh, St. Louis um, – Police union came out and and demanded that the NFL immediately suspend or fine um, the St. Louis Rams players. And you know, there's a, there's a segment of our society that wants it both ways. You know, this whole politically correct. You know, they want to rail against politically correctness as long as somebody's agreeing with them. You know, and then <laughs> you know when somebody else says something that they don't agree with, 
where they need to be fined. They need to they need to be censored. You know, and I think I'm all for it. Athletes, you know, they're human beings, and we can't dehumanize these. We can't we can't put them on a pedestal. We can't make them heroes. We've talked about this on this show before. How, you know, we can't elevate them too high. But we also can't totally take away their human their humanness. I think in both situations, if we downgrade them to the point where they're just you know big hunks of meat that we want to run around and play their sport, that's also just as detrimental as uplifting them to the point where they're godlike. You know, I think we have to rec- truly recognize the humanity of all of 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 all of these athletes and, and all that they encompass. They're young men, young women who live in the same world that we live in, and they experience that world in, in ways that we agree with and ways we disagree with, and they should have a voice, and they should be allowed to have a voice. And I, I, I applaud and salute it all. Um, one question, d Will, I want, did you guys catch Charles Barkley's comments on the Ferguson situation? No, I, I, why don't you let, uh, say it again? I want to make sure I understand. I've heard him talk on a number of things, but I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll I'm break it sure. down. So, so Charles Barkley came out, and again, I just I want I want us to really talk about talk about this because Charles is a guy that I'm I'm usually all in on Charles. You know, Charles is Charles is a guy that I'm I'm usually with on a lot of things. This one not so much. I understand where he's coming from, though. I still disagree with him. Um, some of his comments that uh, he made on the radio, you know, the only people who distrust cops are crooks. You know, that's one statement. They're not out there just harassing innocent people. Maybe sometimes they do, but there's no inherent situation where cops are deliberately out there harassing people. He went on to further say it's more about economics. It really has nothing to do with race. Now, as always with Charles, there's some Charles in there, and then there's some nuggets of truth. D. Woods, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on those comments? Well, I you know, so, uh, and you know, my my thoughts and prayers come out to, go out to the families. I think that you know, I, I think where LeBron hit it really well is that you know there are there are human beings who are affected by um, all of these acts on all sides. Um, there's a couple of different things here. Um, we are not a monolithic community, and particularly as Black folks. So folks are going to have different opinions, um, and in in certain people get access to the media um, to offer their opinion when they offer something that people um, want to have that perspective in there. So Charles gets pulled in um, as someone that is always pulled in um, uh, to respond to these things. Now, what I like about Charles, Charles, like anybody and every, you know, we all come, but we all don't all come with the background and information to to um, deliver the information in a way that might be not but be accurate. So Charles has his opinion. He always says, I'm not an expert. So when you ask him something, he's telling you what he thinks. Um, and that sometimes gets twisted in that uh, expert opinion. You know, he's, he's bringing a perspective that then should be grounded. And I think that's part of the, that's the first problem with just from even before something comes out of his mouth. The second thing uh, about this, I think that is, um, I think Charles is missing is that um, this this um, uh, this it seems to be a um, immediate rush to the most violent reaction in any situation. So what's not being questioned around this is that 
our most well-trained, and, you know, I got my I have mentors who are officers who I grew up with. You know, we all play ball in. Shout out to Charles Tubbs, Marty Farr, people who um, who uh, had a great impact on me as an undergraduate in college who I, I work with um, in, in everything. About. But there was a time when, uh, it, as it relates to this situation, when people were, were, were officers took pride in de-escalating something. Um, and, um, and, and, and so for me, it's, it's this kind of thing around how we have, um, we've lost sight of life regardless of the circumstances being lost. And I think that's the part that I, I would probably push back on Charles. And the other thing is that we're influenced by our context and everything we grow up with. And if, and if you do an analysis of, um, our teachers, um, our law enforcement in a lot of our areas, and, and probably Phil would be the one to talk a lot about this, but the origin for most folks, including black folks, is that we all come from, a lot of times we're coming out of homogeneous environments that influence who we are. You know, people coming from communities where they went to schools where they're all white. People come from communities where they come to schools they're all black. Um, and all these things shape the context of what you perceive and these things are unconscious. So I think that's part of the thing that when you're asking Charles something like this, he's not going to dig that deep on those things. Um, he's not going to really talk about, you know, you know, everybody wants law and order in their, in their communities, you know. Um, but the way in which we have kind of quickly stepped through all the steps of kind of de-escalating the situation automatically have got this code that we're automatically going to violence. I remember back in the day, and y'all might remember, when somebody did some of these things we're talking about, it usually, you usually had six or seven officers around, and then they just ruffled them to the ground, right? You know, somebody had a knife. They just had six or seven officers around, and they just ruffled them to the ground. Now we're shooting people? So I think what, what's happened around these dynamics and why are these things trending in particular communities, we all have to be concerned about that. And I, I think what's been important about it is this is a human issue. So if this is happening in anybody's communities, what's going on? And so um, when you're talking to athletes or anyone, any of us, we all are going to bring our perspective in, and I think we just have to honor the fact that it's uh, our perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, I, I hear you on that. Um, you know, Charles, again, is, is a guy who's pretty insightful, um, and usually I agree with in this situation, I, I, I agree with some of what he's saying, and, and then I disagree with some of what he's saying. Um, I think the most insightful person, I want to say, that I've heard on this, who nailed it on first take, was Stephen A. Smith. I don't know if you had a chance to see the first. If you have a chance to go check I it out. I have him paraphrase. Paraphrase. But, I mean, so Stephen put it in context um, in, 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 in understanding um, the value that we have for law enforcement. You know, but one of the things he talked about, he described, he said, you know, a number of the folks at ESPN who were African-American, particularly males, urged him to talk about it. When he talked about a scenario, he, you know, he said there's not a month that goes by where he's not driving through uh, New York City that he doesn't get stopped. And he's, he, what he was able to do was kind of nuance. And one of the things he does when he gets stopped, he puts his hands up on the steering wheel. And he, that's what he does. And his notion is, I'm trying to, you know, get out here another day. But he talked about it in the context that there are certain people who travel through this world who always, no matter where they are and where they get in life, always have to be aware. And it's one of the yeah. things you should have noticed, is that how people should have to travel through life? 
you know, I, you know, I'm working on a PhD. I'm well educated. There's not a time I don't drive that I'm not looking and concerned about when I would get stopped. Is that something I should be concerned about? Right. You know, uh, I, I probably help educate as many young people as anybody in America. Uh, so, but should, is that how I should travel through life? And that is a phenomenon I think that most people in America don't understand because that's not how they live. And what you have to do is take for granted, you have to really take people at, at the width that that's what's going on. When you have somebody like Stephen A. who's making six figures, driving, worried about being stopped all the time, you know, there are studies that have shown the impact it has on life, your length of life, your health and wellness, your stress. And so, you know, you know, to for people to not know those things are happening, those things are real phenomena. So, he, I mean, he really kind of broke um, some things down in, in ways. And the other thing is that we have to react to this stuff in multiple ways. So you have people laying in streets, you know, but it's also important for people like, you know, LeBron who are sitting in uh, corporate rooms to also put pressure. So this stuff is going to be a multi-pronged approach, but I'm I'm very proud of these athletes in the way that they're conducting themselves. And for somebody in, in St. Louis to to not show Rams games, to me, how stupid is that? Like you go, like that's your biggest economic engine ever, <laughs> right, right, and, and, right. and you are so upset that you're not going to show Rams games in the city that ha- probably has the most avid fans ever. Right. That's not even an economic it's, decision. Yeah. So I was like, why, why, why do that? Like, yeah. what, what motivates you? Um, uh, my doors would be open. I would make a statement, but I'm certainly showing the Rams game. Come on in. We got wings and chicken. Uh, we got we got two for two. We 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 all NFL up in here. Uh, you know, hey. but people make that's what those kind of decisions people make. I mean, everybody's talking about folks being irrational on one side, but to me, you are a business person. Do the economics on that. There's a reason why you show Rams games. The reason why you got you've done the study and you're gonna go away right. from it. Right. That kind of stuff uh, uh, is uh, ridiculous. So, how do you think athletes could further their participation beyond wearing T-shirts, beyond you know um, verbal support um, for 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 the efforts that are going on to bring justice, what what people perceive as justice, what the athletes themselves that they're supported obviously perceive as justice. Um, in these particular situations, what do you think are some solutions or some 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 effective ways where athletes can get out there and get involved and have a voice that's appropriate? You know what I mean? You don't want somebody who is not educated on an issue being out at the forefront of an issue. You know, that's not what what I'm looking for. I'm looking for ways where they can support a cause that they believe in in a way that's actually effective and and, and helping that cause progress. What what PAs do you want? To, do you have any possible ideas around that? I do. I think that um, it starts with being authentic. I believe yes. that um, we, as 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 just fans and people, can you know we have a pretty accurate radar <laughs> when it comes on somebody <laughs> who, it, like when they're like when there's fakeness involved, or if they're just being authentic. I would say, unfortunately, in 2014, being authentic is not enough because how you decide to communicate your message, um, the type of language you use, the type of polish you use and have or don't have will impact um, how far your message will get. 
Um, so I think the second part of that on top of being authentic is seeking out um, help, whether that's PR firms, whether it's um, advisors, whether it's friends that you have in your circle who can help you craft that message. Um, do that first before you put your message out because, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we you know, we saw this with the Richard Sherman situation, which I thought was brilliant. When he did the, the press conference with Doug Baldwin as a cutout, mm-hmm. you know, the next day or two, it generated conversation. But there was a certain percentage of that conversation, not a huge one, but a significant percentage where people focus in on his comedy and, you know, they would like to see it, see him do it a different way. And to me, when I'm hearing that, I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's logistics, man. What about his message? But unfortunately for mm-hmm. some people, if things aren't presented, and yes, he could have presented it in a better way, but I thought it was effective enough. But for some people, if you don't have that polished message, it just won't, you know, it'll be like that paper airplane that goes 10 feet. You know, you want your mm-hmm. message to go miles and miles and miles and miles. Agreed, agreed. I think another way, you know, I, I, I'd envision athletes being able to, to be supportive of, of, these sort of situations is to find organizations, you know, vet organizations, have a team to vet an organization, find organizations that are already involved in the work that you're, um, or the cause that you're interested in supporting and being able to work with those organizations and support people who are on the ground doing the work because you as an athlete may not be in a position um, to be able to do that work, but to be behind the scenes and supporting them either with time and energy or monetarily. Um, I think that's I think that's a that's a great way for athletes to get engaged. You know, maybe raising awareness. The other thing I, I and I want to put this out there because I think more people need to think about this. As an educator, and we see this phenomenon in education, in some of our toughest neighborhoods, in some of our toughest school districts, we have the least skilled teachers, right? Because the most skilled teachers often opt for greener pastures because they've done, they've earned their tenure, they've done their time, they have their seniority, they're able to pick their opportunities. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the same phenomenon occurs in the police force, right? The cops who have the greatest seniority and probably the greatest skill are not being asked to police the toughest neighborhoods, oftentimes. And mm-hmm. so we get these super hyped young guys who are super gung-ho about the firearm on their hip. And I think because we have cops who aren't as skilled and aren't as well-trained and aren't as seasoned policing tough neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods, we get these situations in these environments. And that's where Chuck's comment about it being something about economics, I, I agree with to an extent. I think economics does play a role in it, but I also think in the U.S., economics is closely tied to your race. Mm-hmm. And and that's an unfortunate phenomenon. That's an unfortunate fact that you can go chicken and egg with that all you want, which counts mm-hmm. first, but they're directly connected in my And, you know, there's tons of studies that that would, would back that up. So I think the thing we have, to, uh, a question that I'd love for someone to raise awareness around is, why are the least skilled police being put in the toughest neighborhoods, the most volatile neighborhoods, when their goals should be de-escalation? Oftentimes the ones who are asked to do that are not skilled enough. And so we have these situations where somebody's getting shot 
by a dude who's been on the force for, you know, two or three years or somebody who's been on the force for a long time and just has proven themselves not capable of advancing in the force. You know what I mean? So I think that's another element of this that, that I think should be explored. It doesn't get talked about very often, but I think should be explored if you're looking at systemic change. And if, I, I want to add to uh, Phil. I think, you know, I had a young person come to me and, and we had talked and, uh, and I was, um, you know, you know, what do we do? And I said, you know, uh, one of the things that athletes understand I think is very effective is play your position. You know, have an impact, you know, you can have an impact locally that will go uh, globally. You know, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're working in a, you know, if you're an entrepreneur working in a space, have an impact there. If you're a teacher working in a space, have a So I think for athletes, you know, find your space and in, 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 in have an impact, have an impact there. One of the great things that athletes have the ability to do is convene. Um, they also have the ability, uh, be, uh, and they could do more, is leverage economic, their economic power for change. Um, so many of these athletes come from a lot of these communities. Uh, if you think about the number of um, professional athletes that came from a city like Detroit, you know, um, and you see some of that, that collaboration happen. But think about what someone like Jalen Rose is doing with the Jalen Rose Academy. Think about what mm-hmm. uh, Derek Rose is doing uh, in Chicago. There are ways in which you can connect with some local people who are moving the agenda that, you know, need your profile to kind of get it going, but also your resources, but they got the talent. And so, you know, I think that's something that I think I would like to see the next stage of athletes uh, do. And a lot of these efforts, you know, aren't huge investments as it relates to, you know, what these athletes or the people that they have influence in terms of bringing together uh, can um, uh, commit to and support. Absolutely. We're going to let that be the period on this conversation, the exclamation. Um, you listen to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're about to get into the Resistant Digital Dog of the Week. So let's go ahead and run some sound on that, on the ones and the twos one time for you real quick. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. All right, here we go. Let's run it. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right, fellas, we'll start with you, PhD. You know how it goes. We need more dogs. My dog of the week is the Ohio State University Buckeyes. <laughs> they, uh, hey. they took mine. I mean, they just dropped the Badgers. I'll I'll keep it at that. Uh, considering okay. how we open up the show, I'll I'll just keep it there. <laughs> well played, well played, well played. D. Wills, run it. We need more dogs. Well, this could be a, a consistent theme, but I'm going to go with Urban Meyer. Um, and um, he's been the best thing that happened to the Big Ten 
since the Civil War between Woody and Bo. Um, I said it when he came to it. He was going to raise the competition level of the Big Ten, and you either, you either come with it or he's going to straight dominate. Um, and so uh, I love the fact that he's in the Big Ten, and I think that's going to raise the competition because you're going to have to come to his level. Um, but to coach three different quarterbacks and end up in this space, that's just an amazing job. Okay, okay, I like it, I like it, I like it. So far, we two for two. I'm going. I'm trying to get it to three for three. We need more dogs. My dog of the week, Jeff Fisher, St. Louis Rams head coach. <laughs> My man pulled a gangster move. <laughs> I know where you're going. With so, this. Jeff Fisher is is good friends with the Shanahans, right? And particularly with Mike Shanahan. Uh, so what does he do when the Redskins played the uh, the St. Louis Rams this week with RG3 not starting, sitting on the bench? He sent out all six of the players who were drafted with the picks that the St. Louis Rams got from the Redskins and the RG3 trade for the coin toss. <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. Yes. yes. It was just a brilliant move. It was just a – just. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's a on the low this you know, that's that's cannabis this and LL Cool J talking about the mic on his sleeve. You know what I mean? That's just a sneak this right there. That's super sneaky, well hidden, you know, that's a subliminal for you right there. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it was halftime before they even figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Just beautiful, just well played, just well played. Hilarious, man. Hilarious. So dog of the week goes to Jeff Fisher for avenging his homeboy Shanahan, uh fantasy fantasy Lucifer, uh Jeff Fisher with the with, with, gets my dog of the week this week. Yeah, that was that was that was that was some good stuff right there. So we gonna transition and jump into this edition of the five on the black hand side. I hit you with the sound like this. Five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, RSG Renegade Radio. We are in the midst of the five on the black hand side. We are talking college football. All right? We got five questions. Each of the guys is going to answer. We're going to go rapid fire. First off, thoughts, PhD, I'm going to give you this question, and I'll give you the next question. All right? PhD, you get first question. Thoughts on the process of selecting teams, what to keep, and what would you change about the process, just the selection process and how we got to this point with the final four finally being announced? I like it. I loved it. Um, I think that the way that they gave out weekly updates starting in the middle of the season, every Tuesday, it dominated sports talk radio the next day, it made college football seem so much more relevant than it had felt in the last five or six years. Um, the BCS had this kind of energy when it first started, um, but it wasn't to this degree. Uh, I I like that, you know, they said certain things throughout the process each week, but we weren't really listening to it. So, you know, we're getting all upset about, you know, TCU and Baylor and this, this, and that, and they would pretty much say, listen, here are the rating rankings as if the season were to end now, but it's not. You know, teams have not submitted their full portfolio. So 
I like the way they did that. I like the construction of the committee. Um, you know, it's too bad Archie Manning had to bow out, but it seems that he is going to continue to be on the committee in future years. Um, I just like the way they did it, given the constraints of only having four teams. Um, so I, I, I think one of the problems, one of the negative parts of it is that it is very subjective. And I'd love to um, see an article, and maybe there's one out there and I miss, where they kind of lay out what were some of the specific criteria that they used. I mean, you know, you can get bits and pieces from interviews, you know, from what Long, who was the committee uh, chairman, said, and other people, you know, kind of mentioned things that kind of, you know, were in the mix. But I'd love to see a specific criteria that they used, but other than it being a very subjective experience, I mean, I thought they did a really nice job. Um, part of me really wanted to see Alabama not make it, but but given what happened in the context of college football this year, um, Alabama rose to be one of the best teams in the league, uh, in the country this year. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Number two. D. Wills are the right teams in the mix. Uh, so we have Ohio State, Florida State, Oregon, and Alabama. I say yes. Um, uh, and the real argument is, hasn't been with FSU, although I think I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Oregon and Alabama, I think most people are okay with that. It's really been a debate with Ohio State. Um, and I, I just think um, they are the outright champion. Um, the way that they beat uh, a Wisconsin team that was – uh, ranked very high defensively. Um, uh, their uh, strength of schedule uh, was, I think, around 45 versus uh, Baylor and TCU. I think uh, Baylor was last in TCU. I mean, um, strength of schedule in terms of uh, out-of-conference play. Um, and so there's some things there, but, but I think Ohio State had the most impressive victory of that group, and I think that was the audition. The other thing I don't think helped Baylor and TCU was the way their conference decided to do the co-championship. And that's something they have to blame themselves on. But I think the right four teams are in. Um, I just think I think the Seminoles um, have been probably the um, um, uh, most misunderstood team because of what I call the championship effect. You know, because of who they are, they were getting everybody's best effort, no matter how bad you are. Every it was, A win against them would make your season. And I don't think uh, they accounted for that. Um, uh, as part of their assessment. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if FSU ends up in the finals. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it again. Okay. All right. On to number three, PAED, who's your favorite to win it? I like Florida State. People have been sleeping on Florida State. First of all, I don't, I, the one thing I don't understand is how they could be number three, even though they have not lost. And, you know, we can talk <laughs> Funny, about, right? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about they haven't been as convincing, they haven't been that. You know what, when you're the champion, you're going to get everybody's best game. Yes, when you're Alabama, you're Ohio State, you're Oregon, you're very likely to get people's best game too. But um, when you're the champion, you're going to, like, people are going to reach even deeper to play you strong. So um, I I just don't get it. But I I like Florida State. I would have liked them a lot better. Um if uh, no, no, Florida State—they're playing in the Sugar Bowl or they're in the Rose Bowl. Uh, they play in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. Against Oregon. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked your chances a lot more if they were able to stay in the South, but um, then they would have had to play against Alabama. So I think they're very capable of beating Florida State and then beating Alabama. I'm sorry, Oregon okay. and then Alabama. Okay. All right. Uh, D. Will, next question. The player, coach, or program with the most riding on their performance in this playoff? Uh, because of the big debate, it's, uh, it's, it's clearly Ohio State. Um, and part of it is that they need this big showing because the opinion of the Big Ten all goes back to the Buckeyes' performances in championship games um, that they've just fallen short in some games. Um, and that is kind of rebranded, even though other Big Ten teams beat FCC teams in those same years. Um, Ohio State, because they have been the brand standard for the Big Ten, uh, as they go right now, the Big Ten goes. Um, and with these key hires and with uh, Wisconsin playing uh, Auburn and Michigan State um, uh, playing, I think, uh, uh, Baylor, um, th- you know, there's a potential to, re- to rebrand the Big Ten with if Ohio State is able to do it. The close second is Oregon. Uh, I call them the, uh, the Gary Payton Sonics of college football. Uh, they look great in the regular season because you play up and down the court. But they, when it comes to those those elite teams in the uh, in the championship, they haven't been able to get over the top. Um, they've they've gotten physical with their receivers. Um, the people being able to run and and keep the quarterbacks, whomever they had, in the box. Um, and so Oregon, in terms of their program, if they don't want to be the Gary Payton Sonics and you know that Northwest kind of thing, or the or the um, uh, uh, or those Blazers, um, you know, uh, 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 when they had Duckworth and all them. You don't want to be that group, then you got to get over the top. Okay, okay. All right. Last question goes to PhD. Heisman vote. You got one: Mariota, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper. Who are you giving it to? Melvin Gordon. Hmm. All right. Bring it home for Bucky. That's what I'm talking about. So that does it for this edition of the Five on the Black Hand Stack College Football Style. Going over to college football final four, throwing in a little Heisman vote in there as well. All right, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSU Renegade Radio, brought to you by On the Rocks and Rockford, Illinois. Make sure you hit up my man Craig Sockwell. Good food, great people, great music. On the Rocks, Rockford, Illinois. Tell them the Real Sports Guys sent you. And we're going to talk NFL football right now, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we're going to do a little game here. Right, we got three categories. All right, this is. Borrowing from a line from Jay-Z, you got to separate the the platinum for the white gold, right? The S-Class Dawn, right? The butter-soft leather from that joint that's on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> so we we, we got to break this down. What's what? We're getting into the playoffs. You know, the old adage goes, you don't really know anything about the NFL until after Thanksgiving. Well, fellas, we are in December. We are after Thanksgiving. And so we need to give the folks our our preview, our, our vision of what's going on in the NFL. So the first category we have are Platinum Plus. These are your Super Bowl contenders, teams you think you can get to, that can get to the Super Bowl. D. Wills will start with you. Give me your teams that can get to the Super Bowl. I got three, uh, uh, New England, Green Bay, um, Seattle. Mm, okay, okay. Okay, there's one team I'm, I'm surprised you left out. Yeah, can huh? you say that again, Devon, please? Uh, New England, Green Bay, Seattle. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a team he left out. Who did I leave out? 
You don't think Denver got? You don't think Denver got a shot? Don't trust him. You know uh, how I feel about him. You know how I feel right, about him. Right. There's, there's a reason. Uh, they, they they somewhere in here in this conversation that we'll we'll talk about here soon. But nah. Okay. The reason I left. Him. I'm not trying okay. to be provocative. Right. Okay. The record is the record. All right. I, I, okay. Okay. I, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna get you going. That's your Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your Kobe. Yeah. 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 The, the handsome guy. The handsome guy got his number. The handsome guy got his number. <laughs> All right. So we gonna keep moving. Phd, give me your platinum plus. Your Super Bowl contenders. Packers, which I always have a hard time trusting. Um, the Patriots and the Broncos. Those are the three teams I feel like are legit. Um, I also have a sleeper, though. I have a sleeper. Who's that? And my sleeper um, comes out of the NFC South. Mm, NFC South? What? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. You said the NFC South? I know know he's going to call. Uh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. And that sleeper is the Carolina Panthers. What? Even with a back, back Cam? And no you defense? Know Cam, you know Cam <laughs> hurt his back today, right? <laughs> he has been a three-car car ride. He's like, he got to go for the bed. I you, know I love, you know I love Cam. At the end, Will Williams? What? I got my hair turned side oh, like, like, uh, uh. I got Derek Whitberg look on my face right now, you know, uh, in thirty for thirty. That uh, look he had when uh, he was talking. I, I got the. I don't know, man. You, you said hey, Daniel Williams. Or hey, PhD. Uh, you know who his starting yeah. quarterback is this week? It's the guy who said this. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. I'm not I'm real not. serious. I, t- I put my heart and soul into this every single week. All I'm saying is the camera shows. I'm you just telling you right now what I do every single week. Every single week, I put my freaking heart and soul into this. I study my ass off. I don't go out there and laugh. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny to me. I don't want to go out there and get embarrassed. <laughs> That's who's starting this week, dog. <laughs> For the Panthers. Do you want? Do you want to amend that? <laughs> well, I can't say to you. I don't admit it to Broncos. So I'm not gonna say anything to you. I'll admit it to Broncos. I'm probably more wrong than you are. Well, so. well yeah, if you're gonna give me a chance to amend it, I will say that I feel that a team like whatever team comes out of the NFC South, I'm putting them in the in the NFC championship. So mm-hmm. that means you're gonna win at least two games in the playoffs. Okay. I thought you were gonna say Atlanta. Okay. I thought you were yeah. gonna say Atlanta, really, after their performance oh, Atlanta, when they started getting it clicking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I like okay. Atlanta when you have a team that can put up 30, 40 points, man, on an average night, and you have – I mean, that team is really missing Gonzalez because <laughs> when you had a healthy Roddy White and just an unworldly Julio Jones, it makes Matt Ryan's life pretty easy in terms of on the football field. And especially when they had, you know, an elite tight end, it was just like pick your poison, how you want it. How you want it, Jake? How you want it? Tell me how you want it. You know, so I like the potential. I like the potential for the Saints. You know, I feel like the Saints, they have, again, in the playoffs, it's just one game, man. It's just one game, man. And 
I feel like with the Saints, with their coach and with their quarterback and with Jimmy Graham, they can figure some stuff out. Okay. All right. All right. I ain't I, I, I necessarily mad at you on that. I did pick the Saints to make the Super Bowl. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they they know I picked them, um, but they, they, they haven't played like a Super Bowl team. But anything can happen. Anything, it's just get into the tournament, right? It's just get into the tournament, right? The teams that I've got, okay, this is how I'm going to deliver my, t- my Super Bowl contenders, right? So I got some numbers. I got some numbers, right? So I got 134-point differential. That's one of my teams. 119-point differential. Third team. I mean, second team. My sleeper, 101-point differential. All right, so the first two, consistent with you guys, New England, Green Bay. All right, I think, you know, they've consistently proven this year that they are, they've answered the bell week after week. The third team, and point differential is one of those stats that I think just don't lie, right? It don't lie. It tells how many, how many times you've out, how much better you've been than the people you've played, right? Just points. Just how many more points you put up. The Baltimore Ravens. Or that third team. You think it'd be a team like Denver. You think it might be Philly. You think it might be, you know, the Arizona Cardinals. You you think it'd be one of those teams. The 85 Baltimore Ravens, watch out if they make it in. Now, they have some work to do to get in, but if they make it in, that's the team that I'm concerned with. Justin Forsett is running the ball real well. He's being Ray Rice, except for all the other stuff. We ain't going to get into that. But he's doing. he's playing football like Ray Rice, all right? He's playing football like he's playing that Ray Rice role for them. Um, if they get Haloti Nada back, if they can keep it going and get Haloti Nada back, that's a team that I'd be concerned with. Um, because as much as I like what Pittsburgh is doing, I don't like Cincinnati. I don't think Cleveland is quite ready yet. I think the AFC North can get two teams in, and I think it'll be Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I think Baltimore has a chance to be a bad matchup for people if they make the playoffs. We're going to the next category. We got the white gold. These are the teams, just like a white gold, just like a little white gold herringbone necklace. It look good, but it ain't platinum. (laughs) 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 These are the teams that look good, but, and they could make some noise. Like, you could still get some attention with a nice white gold necklace. You know what I'm saying? I'm not fronting on the white gold. You know, so you know what I'm saying? Like you can get a nice little, you, you can turn some heads with a nice little white gold piece, but it ain't platinum, right? So you can make some noise, but you you might not be the you might not be the life of the party. You know, you might not be shutting it down with with the, with the, with the white gold. So, PhD, give me your initials. Oh man, I hate to say this with Detroit Lions. Mm. I, yeah, I'm with you. I really, I really do it. Matt Stafford, man, it's just too freaking like inconsistent. I'm not sure we're gonna get to the fantasy football stuff, but that's a guy that I went heavy on in fantasy football, and it, it's just it's just too inconsistent, man. Even though he's been looking really good the last few weeks with Calvin Johnson back. Okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent And and to not get too deep into the fantasy football, hopefully we can get to that. Maybe we we'll do a little after hours run on fantasy football. It, it killed me. The one team that I had that didn't make the playoffs, he's my quarterback. That's all I gotta say. Um, 
Z Wills, who's your white gold special? Uh, my white gold special, um, I had a couple of teams, but my, I'll, I'll, I'll settle with this one. My, my white gold special um, is uh, actually my Steelers. It's like when you look at them right, it looked kind of nice, but then on certain outfits, they make you wince. And and I've seen that, but when they when they got that running game going and Ben is going, they can go. But then at some game, I just caught that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know the platinum look good no matter what you wear. You could be in shorts and whatever it is. The way it might flow, sometimes it just it, it it just glare a little bit wrong on the wrong outfit. Like, people are like, what is that that person wearing? That's my feelers, but. They've done it before. They got a history of kind of being in this space we're talking about, and then they just something happens. And a lot of it for them is they're young people growing up, and they're beginning to get back to that running game for the first time when they really had it going. You know what they did to Cincinnati? Oh my goodness, who's in my other category? I mean they they I mean that looked like an Alabama against somebody. You know where they start running that ball. And throwing down the field. So when they get that going running, you're like they, they must have they must have upgraded. You know, but then there's other games like Tampa Bay, you like, that suit just don't look right. You shouldn't have had that hat on. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you there. So I got two white goals. I got Philadelphia. Um Mark Sanchez is your quarterback. I'm sorry. I just I Chip Kelly's a genius. Chip Kelly's a great coach, but Mark Sanchez is gonna be your quarterback down the stretch. I I can't I can't can't get on board with that. That's just me. All right, so that's one. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals. Drew Stanton is your quarterback. <laughs> Mark Sanchez is a tremendous upgrade over Drew Stanton. Um, again, just two situations where good teams, but and they could make some noise. They could easily prove me wrong. But if I had to lay down a bet today, I'm not betting on either of those squads. All right? And now we get into that category where, man, you got that from a cat named Omar at the back of his <laughs> Prius, right? You caught that off the back of a, a dude driving a Prius, pulled up, popped the trunk, and you got that necklace from him. This is that team, right? They'll be in the playoffs. They'll make the playoffs, but they ain't doing nothing, all right? So, PhD, who you got in this category? Oh, man. Um. Huh. Um. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know. Honestly, it's this whole AFC North situation that's got me a little frustrated. Um, the last place team is seven and six. <laughs> you know. Um. So I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Sorry, Devon. Well, hey, I wouldn't. Hey, they, they, I had I have them in either category. So, okay, okay. D. Wills, who's yours? Cincy, if they do, I mean, if they make it, um, the, the other team um, would be Arizona. Um, they ain't doing nothing. I mean, they're gonna back into the playoffs. They back in, you know. It, but Cincy and Arizona would be the two teams. Okay, okay. Um, my team, obviously, anybody from the NFC South. I'm sorry, PAC. I just anybody from the NFC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on that. Atlanta. I, 
I saw Atlanta in that, that second half against uh, Green Bay, and I'm thinking, boy, if Atlanta wake up with Julio Jones and those cats, they could be problems. I mean, but Julio did everything. I mean, Julio did everything except, you know, tape ankles. You know what I mean? I, he ain't going to be able to repeat that performance on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, San Diego. San Diego is my squad, and Phillip Rivers I do not trust. That's all I got to say. <laughs> We're not even going to rehash that. We're not. All right, fellas. We are at the five-minute mark, and I I want I want to I want to get this last word in. Um, Why don't you just have us do a couple of highlights off of those questions? Like pick a question. Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll do, do that. Let's just let's just hit, let's we're gonna hit the fantasy football because that's what we promised you, right? And we're gonna deliver. All right. So fantasy football. Uh, first off, quick, we gotta go super rapid fire because we got six minutes left. Six minutes, Dougie, fresh in your arm. All right. So we got six minutes. PhD. How did your how many teams did you have? How did they do? Go. I was in four leagues. I made the playoffs in two, and I'm only alive in one. The only league that really, really matters is Eric Hamilton's Guru League, and unfortunately I missed the playoffs for that in that league the first time in nine years. Ooh, ooh. Somebody, somebody's popping bottles <laughs> on that one. <laughs> PAZ's not in it. Oh man, sorry to hear that, bro. I know that I know that one does mean a lot to you. That's a competitive league. Yeah, you got to bounce back next year. D. Wills, how many teams? How did you do? I was in two leagues. I had the worst start in fantasy football. I was a commissioner for the first time. But when I said I was going to come back and try to make the playoffs, everybody laughed at me. Game changer can tell you I made a run on them. I made about as close a run as I could make, <laughs> and I almost did it. And I started my run too late. If I had started out zero and six. It made the run. I was coming. I got. I was right in it the last two weeks. I think people looking up like, where did he come from? Um, and I was. I will get that. I got something out of Denar Robinson for about a two three week period when he was playing running back. That kind of got me going. And then Brady doing his thing. And then I just I started coaching like Phil Jackson. Started zenning him. Uh, but I had to get. I had. To, I had to do something. Uh, fell short, but uh, I learned a lot about what I'm going to be doing as a commission next year. Uh, I'm taking the day okay. off. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I was in four leagues. In three of those leagues, I made the playoffs. In one of the leagues, it came down to the last night. It came down to the last night, and the other in the league I didn't make it. I had a 160 point week, which in this league, if you get if you get in 100, that's pretty good. I had a 160 point week in this league, and it came down to Monday night football. And who was it? It was it some, someone they they killed. It was the Miami Dolphins. Lamar Miller, he killed me. He uh he did too much work, and I, I just got me, just totally got me. Um, edged out, lost the win. If I had a one, I would have been in, but um, unfortunately, I didn't. So I would have been in in all four leagues, but I, I didn't make it. Um, I'm alive in all of the leagues. Um, every league that I'm alive in it has one thing in common. I got Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. Right, people laughed at me when I took him with my first round pick. Ha 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 ha! Fools. Now what? <laughs> see, see, that's why we give you the last word because you feel like you got a lot to say. <laughs> you got a lot to say. Right. Hey, hey, listen, listen, man, and, and Yahoo, yeah, Yahoo. I'm calling you out, right? Oh, they got the little feature on the fantasy football where when you look at the standings, you can click over and it gives you like a power ranking. And then you can go back and look at your draft day projection. 
I exceeded every draft day projection I had in every league. So, Yahoo, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. I know how to do this. I ain't no rookie at this game, man. I know what I'm doing. Your test is culturally biased anyway. All right? Give me a deep puff on one of my drafts. <laughs> you going to give me a D plus. I ain't never got a D plus in my life, man. I'm just saying. Real quick before we get off the air, fellas, give me one guy, one guy who completely undermined everything you tried to do this season. <laughs> we all got that one dude. P.A.Z., who's your guy? Completely undermined everything you tried to do this fantasy football season. Doug Martin. Who's that? Doug Martin. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was that dude this year. He was definitely that dude this year. D. Wills, who was yours? Tom Brady's slow start. Uh, mm. He paid dividends, but Tom Brady's slow start killed me. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, that, I think that's it. Yeah, for me, it was it was uh, Matthew Stafford. That just just didn't help me at all. I mean, I need I need big points. I structured my team where my quarterback has got to be consistent, and he wasn't. So that that guy killed me. I'm sure he killed a lot of other people. I'm sure all those guys. Doug Martin, I'm sure murdered. Doug Martin, you know, he might be on America's Most Wanted for all the teams he murdered this year. Um, and Brady's slow start definitely hurts. Um, so that'll do it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Man, man, great podcast, fellas. Great show. We're going to close it out here, What's the last word, though. Game Changer? What's the last word, word? The last word, the last word is championship, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to get that money. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> You feel me? Where, where my man Randy at? Where's Randy Moss at? Come on, I got to hit that Randy Moss sound real quick. This is what it's all about right here. It's playoff time. Every league I'm in is a money league. I got to get it, man. I got to get to that money. I got to get to the money. Wow, winning. And that's what we're going to leave y'all with for the last word. <laughs> Peace out. Catch you next week or in two weeks, same time, same. Actually, next week, we'll be back on the 17th. Same time, same place. Uh, RSG signing off. Peace. One.